Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Praise the name of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to know that where two or three are gathered together in his name, where is he going to be? Right in our midst. Amen. So we know that God is here. Amen. We have no question that God is here because that's what his word says. And as Elder Johnny James told us that God didn't go to school because school has recess and God don't play. Right. Amen. So we know that God is here with us because his word said so. We're going to continue uh, in our studies uh, in the book of Acts. And um, I'm going to read uh, a quite lengthy read here, so there's no reason to stand. But uh, we're going to be speaking on boldly proclaiming the name of the Lord. Boldly proclaiming the name of the Lord. And uh, we're going to start reading uh, in the book of Acts, the uh, ninth chapter, verse 19. And um, there's several different versions of, of, uh, of the Bible, which you can read. I believe we're reading out of the New King James today. Um, and uh, it's just kind of an easier read with uh, a little more understanding. But as always, I try to tell everyone, first off, study to show thyself approved. Okay, before the Lord. And so make sure that you read uh, the scripture uh, in uh, King James and read it in the Greek and read it, you know, read it however you read it to get the word of God in your heart and soul the best way. And um, God will honor you for your uh, being due diligence in his word. These are exciting times. Everybody believe these are exciting times right now. We are watching the Bible play out in full scale. I'm telling you right now, we are watching the Bible play out. And uh, it's exciting because I believe the return of our Lord is very soon. And so we need to continue to uh, look for the Messiah to return. And we know the Messiah's name. We can say his name. We know his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Acts, the ninth chapter, beginning with verse 1. Saul kept breathing out threats and slander toward the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus. The letters authorized Saul if he found any who were in the way whether men or women, to bring them bound to Jerusalem. As Saul, on his journey to Damascus, came near the city, suddenly a light shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. It is hard. Now, this, this uh, next part of scripture that we're going to read, 
understand, um, this is omitted from a couple versions of the Bible. So the, we're reading it in the New Testament, uh, I mean in the, uh, um, the New King James, and it's here, and it's in King James. So it says, it is hard for you to kick against the gourds, but it also says that it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I'll explain what that means here in a little bit. That was taken out in the translation, and I'll explain why. So, Paul, shaking and astounded, asked, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to Saul, arise and go into the city, and there you will be told what you must do. Saul's companions on the journey stood speechless. They heard the sound, but saw nobody. Saul arose from the ground. Although his eyes were open, he could not see anything. His companions led him by the hand and took him into Damascus. Saul was blind for three days. He did not eat nor drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and uh, the Lord called unto him in a vision. Ananias, Ananias said, Behold, Lord, here I am. And the Lord said unto him, Go, arise, and go to a street named Straight. Inquire at the house of Judas for someone named Saul, a man of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision. He saw a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hand on him to give him back his sight. Ananias replied, Lord, I have heard from many about this man and how much evil he did to your saints in Jerusalem. Here in Damascus, he has authority from the chief priest to bind all in his name, to bind all who call your name. But the Lord said unto Ananias, be on your way, for he is my chosen vessel to carry my name before the nations and their kings and before the children of Israel. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went on his way, and he entered the house, and he laid hands on Saul. And Ananias said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road where you were traveling has sent me. I come so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fall off fell off Saul's eyes, and he could see again. Then Saul arose and was baptized. He took food and was strengthened. Saul stayed several days with the disciples who were at Damascus. That was a lot of reading, but it puts a lot of stuff in perspective. Now we know, I'm going to tell you, Saul was a very uh, religious man. Now, let's talk about what the word religious means. The word religious means 
that he followed after God's word. And he followed after the way that man interpreted the scriptures of God. I'm going to say that again. He followed God's word and he followed after the way that man interpreted the scriptures of God. So you can be religious and not be right. Ooh. We'll talk about that here in a minute. So we need to uh, understand our word and our deeds must measure they must measure up with the spirit and they must measure with our communication and relationship with God. There has to be a full duplex relationship. What does full duplex mean? It means 360, which means we hear, we speak back. We hear, we speak back. All right? That is what's called full duplex communication. Without that, there is no healthy relationship. Correct? If we just spoke and spoke and spoke and spoke and never received anything back, we would just be talking to ourselves, wouldn't we? Just being honest. So in your relationship with God, expect to feel the word of God in your soul. Expect to hear back from God. Now, I'm not going to say you're going to audibly hear the word of God, but you may. I just, you know, I do a lot of my praying when I'm driving. I think if I ever really heard the word of God while I was driving, I'd probably wreck. But you never know. I do feel the spirit of God and I feel his word fall into my heart and fall into my soul where I know what he's saying to me. I know he is communicating to me. All right. So there are ways that you can have full duplex communication without a vocal voice. Also, remember this. The Word of God says, how do you hear without a pastor, right? The man of God can give you the voice and the Word of God into your life, which is why we should forsake not the gathering of the brethren, which means that's why you, the real spiritual ones, you're here at church tonight. And you that are online, thank you for being online with us, but you're the real spiritual ones, okay? And so you can hear the Word of God via different ways, all right? But it's important. Now, let's talk about what's, what was happening here. Saul, he really honestly, honestly thought he was doing the Word and the will of God. And with everything that he knew, he was. Remember, he knew the law. What was the law? Well, remember they practiced something like an eye for an eye. They practiced these, um, these things that allowed them to have a civilization without the mercy of Jesus Christ, prior to the mercy of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus Christ came, what did he do? He came to do what? Fulfill the law, right? And so... When he brought mercy, there was a whole new opening and understanding to the word of God. So Saul thought that these 
followers of Jesus, these followers of the way, put a pin in that and we'll talk about that in a minute. The followers of the way um, were blasphemous. That they were not following after who? The creator God. Who is the creator God? The creator God is the creator of everything. In the Jewish faith, the creator God is the creator of Adam and Eve. The creator of the world. Right? Everything. So, in Saul's mind, they're talking about Jesus. And so, how can Jesus save your soul? Because only God can save your soul. Only God can heal you. How can Jesus heal you? Right? So in their mind and in his mind, they're being blasphemous. So he says, we need to eradicate this blasphemous religion. Remember, he's thinking that it's a religion. Right? We need to eradicate that. Now remember... There were other religions out there. Remember, they were followers of Baal, right? They were the Canaanites. There were other religions that they knew in that day that would crucify their children and offer their children up before, um, you know, idols and, and all of these things. Well, he was treating the followers of Jesus just like this, okay? And so, uh, you guys remember Stephen was stoned, and many people believe the stoning of Stephen was actually at the very word of Saul. Because remember, Saul had the papers. Saul literally had the papers to do what? To take the children uh, of the, the followers of Jesus Christ in captivity. And to bring them before the chief priest and to be executed. So, um, that's where Saul was in his thinking. And that's where he had put his mindset that he was doing the word of God. Now, here he is. He's on the road to Damascus with the letters in his hand from the high priest. He had the warrants for arrest of the disciples. Well, what did he find? Here's what happened. When he went to Jerusalem and he began to do what? Begin to uh, persecute the Christians, right? They spread like wildfire. And so... Here's the funny thing. They wanted to have a mega super church there in Jerusalem, right? And so what happened is when persecution came, they spread out. Remember, we talked about this last time. When you step on, if you've ever built a fire uh, and had a fire and you step on a fire and don't put it out with water, but you just squash it, it's going to spread out and embers are going to go all over the place. Well, that's what happened with persecution. Saul and his men came after the Christians. They spread out. And when they spread out, what did they do? They started sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the known world. So in Saul's mind, he says, I've got to get ahead of this. And I'm going to go north 
and cut them off in Damascus. So if I can reach Damascus and stop them at Damascus, it will stop the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, when he spoke with the uh, high priest, he said, give me the papers that I may bind them that are in the way. Well, what did Jesus Christ say? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So now you understand why they, would, they wouldn't say, oh, I, I belong to uh, Jerusalem South Church. <laughs> I belong to Jerusalem, Jerusalem North Church. No, they said, I am in the way of Jesus Christ. Kind of cool, isn't it? I am in the way of Jesus Christ. And you'll find when you begin to study the scripture, that was the, that's the way they identified themselves as being in the way, which is very biblically sound. Now, you realize there's more than 200 different religions <laughs> that have cropped up since that time. And not all of them are in the way. I'll just put it that way. So, anyway, we know the way is what? Acts 2.38, because Peter explained it to us. And we'll get to that at the very end here in a minute. But, so, that is what I mean by the way. And that was what Saul told the chief priest. Those that are in the way, we're going to eradicate. And so, he's on his... He's on the road, and as he's traveling on the road, um, there was a picture. Um, did you guys get a picture? Okay, it's all right. There, uh, a light came down upon him that blinded him, and uh, it stopped him. It stunned him, and from all the accounts that I've read and the historic information, literally, it it uh, knocked him down. So he was prostrate before God, literally. So he didn't fall backward, he fell forward. There's something about falling forward and falling backward. And if you guys want to ever really do a study about that, when you're in the presence of God, there's something very important about those who fall backward and those who fall forward. When you fall forward in a submissive way, that is, you're in the presence of Almighty God. To fall backward would mean just like a magnet to be repelled from the presence of God. That's a study you need to look at. I think you would be very amazed. And then you could think about some things that you may have saw in the past where people would wave certain things in front of people and they fall what? back. Just a thought. Anyway, so as he fell down on the ground, there's an acknowledgement statement when he says, who art thou Lord? Now, remember we talked about who Saul was. Saul was a very devout Jew. 
So he knew you don't call anybody Lord but who? Creator God. There's only one Lord. Actually, Ephesians says what? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. (laughs) Think about that. All right, so there's only one Lord, and he knew it had to be the Lord that is arresting me on my way to arrest others, right? So he calls out, who art thou, Lord? And Jesus says, it is I whom thou persecutest. He didn't, he still in his mind had not put two and two together. You get what I'm saying? And then when, when Jesus explained, it is I, Jesus, that is a very important scripture. And here's why. If you've ever given a Bible study to someone or you've ever been in a Bible study for someone, sometimes it's hard for people to connect the deity of God. Especially if they've come from a background of a triune God. What is a triune God? That is the Trinity. Nowhere in this book, I'm going to say it again, nowhere in this book does it say triune God. Does it say Trinity? It's not there. It's not there. It's not there. All right. So this is a very important statement that is being made here because he's saying, who art thou, Lord? He's identifying the fact that whoever this is that's arresting me is God. And then he goes on to say, I am Jesus. That means that Jesus, who was just crucified, was who? God in the flesh. Now, I don't have time to break out all the scriptures, but I guarantee you, if you do want more more information on this, and if you need to have more information to figure out who, who is Jesus and how Jesus ties into uh, God in the flesh, and how the Spirit is the comforter. And all these three are one. There's not three parts. They're all one. I can guarantee you there's many people here that would love to give you a Bible study, and, and they could help you with this. But this is a very important scripture to identify the oneness of God. And this is exactly what it took For a man who was educated in the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, to identify that this is really Jesus. He is really the Messiah. He was really the Messiah. He was really God. And now I've got to get myself together. It took him being struck down on the road. But not only that, then he was blinded. For three days. Now let's talk about that three day. How long was Jesus in the tomb? Three days. Right? So there's some similarities that you're seeing that I guarantee you all that doubt that, that, that Saul had in his mind. He's like, whoa, you know, hang on a second here. Uh, man. I'm blinded for three days. But then he has a vision. And he has a vision that there's going to be someone 
who's going to come pray for him and lay hands on him using what? The name of Jesus. Using the name of Jesus to heal him. Now, remember, we're dealing with Saul, who's a devout Jew, who in his mind, nobody can heal him except who? God. But yet the name of Jesus is getting ready to be invoked over him and he's going to be healed. Guys, there was no doubt in his mind (laughs) that Jesus was God. This is why he became such a powerful man of God after his name was changed to what? Paul. And he became the pastor of the book of God's New Testament. He became the pastor to the churches. He became the powerful person, just like Jesus told Ananias. He said, I'm going to use him to reach my people. I'm going to use him to reach kings. I'm going to use him to reach the world. Guess what? He wrote a whole lot of this book. Guess what we're preaching out of today about this? Do you know how many kings and princes have bowed down after they found out that Jesus was Lord and after they realized their salvation was in this book? It's still happening today. God used Saul. Just like he's using him right now in this very room to reach you. Amen? Amen. So, here we are. He's on the road. The guys that are with him, now these are soldiers that are with him, okay? Because these guys, you know, I I don't think, I don't think Saul was, I don't think he was going to actually go up and, you know, put the put the leg irons and the hand irons on the people. He had people that would do that, you know, because he had nice priestly robes, you know. He, he, he was a clean-cut guy, which was part of the issue when he hit the ground and was in the dirt because God said, boom, you're in the dirt, buddy, right? And uh, he humbled him. Well, these that were with him, they heard what was going on. They're watching Saul gravel on the ground, being on the ground, gravel, and they're, they're hearing him speak and they're hearing a voice coming out of the heavens. And they're like, wow, something, something's happening here. Something powerful is happening. And so um, they picked him up off the ground and they took him to the house of Ananias, uh, the house of Judas, the house of Judas. A different Judas, not Judas Iscariot, a different Judas. And, um, and he stayed at the house of Judas praying because this guy's shaken up. You can imagine how shaken up he is. He can't see, right? Everything in his whole world has been flipped upside down. He just realized, hey, I've been killing people in the name of God and the, the name that I've been killing people's in is they're really the true Christians. You know, he, he had a lot to figure out. And, um, you know, so, so, so there's a lot of stuff happening here. So then you have 
Ananias, who's sitting in his home, and then God calls him. Remember what I said, bro, the, the title of this is boldly, I'm sorry, boldly proclaiming the word of God, right? So God um, has to have a willing vessel to boldly proclaim his word. So Ananias has to get over his fear because <laughs> he's like, you're having me go pray for this guy who's killing people who in his hand has the papers to arrest me and bind me and take me before the, the chief priest and, and have me ex, ex, um, executed. And you want me to go pray for this guy. And he said, yes, I do. Go do it. He did it. Don't be surprised if God wakes you up at night and tells you to go talk to your neighbor and says, greet your neighbor and tell him that I love him. You're like, okay, God, that's kind of weird. I guess I can do that. But should I do that, God? Surely they know you love them. You might be surprised. I've heard stories where that very scenario happened and the person that went to their neighbor and said, I just want you to know that God loves you. And I was told to tell you that that person was getting ready to take their life. And because someone listened to the word of God in their spirit, right? That person was like, I can't believe you're saying this because I was just asking God if you really loved me to show me before I take my life. Those are true stories, guys. So remember this. If God can use a donkey to save a nation... He can use me, right? He can use me. I'm willing to go. Are you willing to proclaim the name of God? So, long story short, he goes, he lays his hands on Saul. And when he lays his hands on Saul, he prays for him, and scales fall off of his eyes. Now, there's a lot of things here that, that we could talk about. If you read the scripture and you study it, there's a lot of metaphorical. There's a lot of foreshadowing. There's a lot of things that are happening when he lays hands. Okay? The falling off of the, of the scales does what? That opens our understanding. That's kind of like a foreshadow of opening your understanding of who God is and, and the things that God has for you, these type of things. Um, then you, you have the laying on of hands, which transmits what? The power of Almighty God. It transfers the power of healing. And then it goes on to say, and he was filled with what? The Holy Spirit. It it transfers the spirit of God in your life. And then there's something else that happened after he laid his hands on him. The scales fell off. He could see again. What else happened? He was obedient and did what? He was baptized. So 
I'm here to tell you today, baptism is essential. I'm going to say it one more time. Baptism is essential. You see it played out right here. Now, a lot of times we don't look at this scripture as a scripture of salvation. But I'm here to tell you, this is the salvation story wrapped up in, 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 in um, 19 verses. Because Saul thought he knew what was right. He practiced what he knew was right before God, right? Even so much as he persecuted the true Christians, right? He persecuted them in the name of his God. But when he truly, in his heart, loved God. There's a reason that the scripture says, if a man doeth good, leave him alone. Because there's a time and a place, if you truly love God, if someone really loves God, they will have their opportunity to find God. I'm going to say that again. If a person truly loves God, they will have their time and place to find God. And it's our place to live right before God, to do the right things, and wait for the cue to hear God's voice and then reach them. We don't always have to pummel them over the head with our Bible. We don't have to do it. We don't have to beat them up. We can live a godly life before God. Do the right things. Study to show ourselves approved so that we're prepared when the time comes to go reach them. That's the key. Now, can you imagine after that happened? I mean, I, Ananias, he, <laughs> he reached out, prayed for someone who was a murderer. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Then this person was baptized and he became the greatest you know, figure that we can tell in this word of God after his name was changed. So you never know who God's going to have you reach. You never know who's God, who God is allowing you to prepare your heart for. You never know how God has stacked you up in comparison to his word. But here's what I will share with you. If you are a willing vessel, and if you show yourself in the word of God to study, and you ask God, God, open my understanding. I'm a hard-headed guy myself. I'll be honest. I'm hard-headed. I need to see it for myself. I'm from Missouri. Show me. Okay? I'll be honest with you. Ask my wife. She'll tell you I'm very hard-headed. But once I see it, it's over. Once I know for a fact, it's over. Why? Because that's the way I'm wired. And I think that's the way most people are honestly wired. Right? If you're really honest with yourself, that's the way you probably are too. It's okay. So, we talked about salvation. Of course, we know what Peter said 
on the day of Pentecost, which, by the way, we are coming to that day very soon. And if you have an opportunity to be here on Pentecost Sunday, please be here because the Word of God will become alive before you. You will see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen? I believe it. I said, Amen? I believe it. Amen. And Peter said unto them in Acts, the second chapter, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for what? The remission of your sin, for the forgiveness of your sin, and ye shall do what? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as who? The Lord thy God shall call. The calling is for everyone. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray a prayer for you now. And if you truly, honestly want to reach your world, if you truly, honestly want to infect your world like Ananias. If you want to reach your neighbors, if you want to reach your neighborhood, if you want to reach the lost, there's no day like today. Because today is the first day of the rest of your life. And what you do today affects your tomorrow. You know what? The forgiveness of God is so powerful. A lot of times we look at our past and we say, oh, man, I failed here. I failed there. I failed there. And I failed there. You know what God sees after he's forgiven you? Nothing. The word of God says it's wiped clean. When you ask God to forgive you of your sins, the only people who remembers it is your friends and yourself. And of course, the enemy of your soul. And he'll try to bring it up to you. And that's when you say, uh-uh, not happening. When those thoughts come back to your brain, you say, I'm forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. So if you hear today, have something you would ask God to forgive you for? Today's the first day of the rest of your life. Let's go before the throne right now and ask God to forgive us of our sins. Almighty God, Lord, as we come before you right now, God, you see us. Your word says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Your word tells us, God, oh Lord, that you knew us in our mother's womb and you've known us, God, for our whole life. You know the very number of hairs on our head. God, I would ask right now that you look in my heart and you forgive me of my sin. God, and Give me the ability, Lord, to walk upright and true before you. And God, allow me, Lord Jesus, to find you for who you are. And God, allow me to know you in a way that only you can allow me to be known to you. And God, forgive me of those sins and my trespass. And in your name I pray.
in Jesus' name.